are you doing the work? Are you putting in the time each and every day to get better? And I think this is so important. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and today I'm going to be sharing with you nine pieces of advice that I would give to up-and-coming coaches. And I use the term up-and-coming for a reason instead of young, uh, because some of us still consider ourselves up-and-coming, whether we've been doing this five years, 10 years, 20 years. I've been doing this 23 years now. I still think of myself as an up-and-coming coach in the sense that I'm trying to get better each and every week. Right? I'm never comfortable. I'm never overly confident in, in my skills. So today, we're going to focus in on things I think a lot of up-and-coming coaches need to hear. And this was really reiterated to me this past weekend. My good friends, Joel Jamison, Luca Hasavar, and myself put on our first ever virtual summit. And, you know, we've all hosted live summits before, but it was totally different doing it virtual. And I was really trying to reconnect myself with the trainers and coaches that I talk to and interact with the most. And I tried to come up with, okay, well, what do they need to hear in this presentation? But as I was writing and creating the presentation, I was also started creating this podcast because I'm like, okay, there's certain things you need to hear about program design. And if you want to write a better program for longevity or for your gin pop clients, that goes over here. But there's also some of these like motivational messages that I feel like a lot of trainers and coaches need to hear. And that's what we're going to focus on today is, you know, what do most up and coming coaches need to hear? Uh, what kind of motivation do they need? What lessons do they maybe need to learn? if they want to get the most out of their coaching careers. So that's what we're going to focus on here today. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into these nine pieces of advice that I have for you. Did you know that in any given year, 40% of the trainers and coaches in our industry will leave our industry? Maybe that's why it seems like almost every day I talk to trainers and coaches who are frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, let me tell you how I can help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you. People who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 plus years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In the cert, you'll learn how to use my R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. You'll learn the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym to help your clients squat, hinge, press, and pull with awesome technique. You'll learn my streamlined assessment process that will help you determine the exact movements your clients should be performing when they come in the gym. And last but not least, you'll learn how to create relationships and build rapport with virtually everyone you train so you can get the best possible results. Of course, there's a lot more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the CERT is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the CERT only open twice per year for a limited time. but if you join my free insiders list now, you'll be able to save $200 when my next group opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. 
Again, that's completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for our launch emails very soon. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you'll join us when the next Complete Coach Certification launches. Okay, and we are back. So let's start at the top. Let's focus on number one, which is focus on the process. And along the way, I'm going to try and share like some quick anecdotes and stories that I think are relevant. But when I talk about focusing on the process, one of the first things that comes to mind for me was when I first got into powerlifting. Now, I got into powerlifting in 2000. I just finished my undergraduate career and I was going on to get my master's degree. I had figured out, I think I want to be a strength coach, but I also realized like, man, I'm in the weight room, maybe squatting 225. <laughs> and these monsters on the football team were squatting like 585 for four or 600 for five. So I may not have to be the strongest person in the room, but I need to be strong enough to number one, be confident in myself. And number two, to garner some respect from these guys that are walking around here. One of the things that I learned was that, man, just because you wanna be strong doesn't mean you have to try and go out and demonstrate your strength every time you're in the gym. Every time I was in there, I was trying to push heavy weights or max out. And over time, I realized, man, like I'm constantly trying to demonstrate my strength and I'm never actually working to build my strength. And I think the same thing is true in coaching. It's very easy to focus on the outcome right? Like I want to have X number of clients or Y number of professional athletes coming in my gym. We're so focused on the outcome that we forget about the process that ultimately gets us to the outcome. So the analogy that I like to use with powerlifters, because I trained powerlifters for a long time, people that were trying to get stronger, was that if you're constantly focused on demonstrating or testing your strength, you never have time to build it. So if you're six months, nine months, 12 months out from a meet, why does it matter what you can squat right now? Nobody cares except you. So instead of focusing on where you're at now, focus on the process. What are you going to need to do over those next six, nine, or 12 months to build your strength so that you're far stronger than you are now? I think the same thing happens with coaching. We get so focused on the outcome or where we want to be that we forget about the process. We forget about the day-to-day. -day. So this is why I talk so much not only with my clients, but with my athletes about this idea of having process and outcome-based goals. So let's say you wanna squat 300 and right now you squat 250, that's great. So you have an outcome-based goal, you wanna go from 250 to 300. But you can't always control the outcome. Sometimes things happen. I had certain meets that I'm thinking of right now. There was my final meet. I was very confident I could squat 550 pounds. And so I think I opened around 500 or 510. I don't even remember. And I missed, right? I think I got called on depth. So now I have to repeat my opener or I chose to repeat my opener. So I went 510, 535 and I crushed 535 or 530. But man, 550 was in the tank that day, but I didn't get a crack at it. So I didn't achieve the outcome-based goal, but the process was in place. I did all the things necessary over the course of that training cycle to put myself in position to squat 550. So that's how you have to think about this, right? You have to think about not just the outcome because you can't always control that, but what's the process necessary to get you there? And I always talk about developing the plan, right? Create your program, create your outline, and then work the plan. 
Because you, again, you can't just focus on the outcome. And if you do, I guarantee you, it's going to be hard for you to struggle, or it's going to be hard for you to stay consistent over the long haul. It's going to be very hard. You have to figure out, okay, what is the process? Love the process. Marry yourself to the process. So whether the outcome is good or bad, right? You can judge that later. Whether it's good or bad, you can still say, hey, man, I did everything that I could. I worked the plan. I followed the process. And then at the end, that's where you can have that debrief. Okay, what worked? What didn't? And what do I need to improve upon in the future? And so this is something I'm always doing with my coaching. After every offseason, I do a debrief. And what did I do with the various athletes that I had? What things went really well for me or for them? And what do I need to work on in the future? So I think this is where you have to have this blend of process and outcome-based goals, but you start by focusing on the process. Because if you love the process and you marry yourself to that, then it's a lot easier to emotionally detach if you don't hit the outcome that you're looking for. So that's number one, focus on the process. Number two, get the reps and do the work. And I remember when I was a young coach, let's say 2003, 2004, 2005, I did not follow a traditional path. I do my master's degree and immediately, like even when I'm in my master's degree, I'm starting to create content. I'm writing articles for a, a small publication called Monster Muscle, which is a powerlifting magazine. And then in 2003, lo and behold, I meet some bro named John Berardi at a conference. And John Berardi happens to write for T Nation, which is my favorite online website at the time. And John says, hey, reach out to TC Luoma, tell him I'm vouching for you and see what he says. And within the next two to three months, I get my first article published at T Nation. Now, keep in mind, this was not the way things are supposed to be, right? I fell into this and luckily TC accepted my work and the rest, as they say, is history. But I remember as I'm writing these articles, I'm always in the back of my mind wanting to fudge how many years I've been in the industry, right? If I've been, it's 2003, I'm like, I've been coaching people in the gym, sort of coaching in air quotes since 98, right? But let's be honest, I'd only been coaching people since 2000. So I had three years of experience. And I think this is normal, right? Like we always want to early in our career, I don't want to say fudge, but maybe embellish our accomplishments up to that point in our career. And I think that's normal. But at the end of the day, the years are the years and the reps are the reps and you can't really fudge that. Okay. So you have to remind yourself, Rome wasn't built in a day. Nobody's expecting you to be a complete product or to be a complete coach. See that? See what I did there? Complete coach. Nobody's expecting you to be perfect your first two to three years in the industry, right? It takes time. You got to put in the reps. You got to do the work. But that leads me to a question, right? Are you doing the work? Are you putting in the time each and every day to get better? And I think this is so important. And I've talked about this numerous times on this show or in various Q&As and podcasts that I've done with other people. Just because time goes on doesn't mean you're magically getting better. And I've met those coaches that have been coaching for 20 years and they've had the same year of experience for 20 years because they've never gone outside of their comfort zone. They've never sought out ways to get better and to push and challenge themselves. So the time is going to pass regardless, right? And you can be in the industry 20 years and still be like a first or second year level coach because you haven't really put in the time and energy. Or you can say, hey, look, each and every year, 
I'm going to dedicate myself to getting better. I'm going to do the con ed. I'm going to attend the courses and the seminars. I'm going to watch all of the content that I can to become a better coach. So you have to ask yourself, what are you doing outside of the gym to level up? And we'll talk more about that later, but there's no way to rush this. My friend, there is no hack to experience, to getting reps. You got to show up to the gym each and every day. You got to try and get better. And then when you leave the gym, you have to have a strategy to continue to grow and evolve as a coach. So that's number two, get the reps, do the work. Number three, let's talk about mentors and why you should seek out mentors. And this is one that was tough for me because I remember getting into the industry at an early age and I knew that I knew nothing, right? Like I was very humble. I realized, man, I've read the bodybuilding magazines, maybe read T Nation for a little while, but I had no clue how to train a football player or a basketball player to be a better athlete. And it was frustrating to me because I really wanted these mentors early on. And for some reason, I don't know exactly why, maybe it was me, they just didn't like me. Maybe they didn't like my personality, they thought I was annoying. I don't know, but I never felt like early on, I found a mentor that really connected with me and that was serious about my own growth. And looking back on that, I think in some ways that was actually helpful for me because I know how that felt. And I always wanted to try and be a better mentor to the people that would come behind me or come underneath me, whether it was at iFast, whether it was with people that I've mentored online. This was always important to me. I think there's always been this educator inside of me. That's why I do a podcast and create videos and courses and all these things, because I like helping people get better. And so if you're a young coach, you need to start seeking out mentors. Who is going to help push you to your next level? And you need to be conscious of who you select right? Because in this day and age, anybody can have a really sexy Instagram or TikTok or YouTube page, and they can come across as being an expert, right? But that doesn't mean that they have put in the time and done the reps. It's one thing to be able to teach it in this like sterile online environment. And it's totally different to be able to go back and forth with somebody in a dynamic fashion and really help them understand difficult ideas or concepts. So, when you're seeking out mentors, a couple questions that I think will help you. Number one, who do you align with, right? And so a lot of times I'll start with a very wide net. And I always think about when I was trying to learn about speed, I went to a lot of people before I settled on Lee Taft. When I was looking into conditioning, I didn't have to look too far because not many people were talking about it. But luckily I found Joel, right? Who do you align with? Who do you like, trust, and respect? I think those are just great questions to ask yourself in any environment, right? Whether you're hiring a financial planner, an accountant, a coach, a nutrition expert, whoever you're working with, do you like, trust, and respect them? Because if you can answer yes to all of those, it's going to be far easier to take their advice and dive in 100%. Arguably, the most important question to ask yourself is, have they been where you're going? I'm going to say that again. Have they been where you're going? Because a lot of people again, in this day and age, can purport themselves to be experts. They can talk about, oh, yeah, I'm a movement expert, or I'm a conditioning expert, or blah, blah, blah. Hey, man, that's great. Have you done what I've done? If I want to work in the NBA, have you helped other people that wanted to work in the NBA? Have you helped them get in there? If you want to train high-level C-suite executives and help them improve their longevity, has your mentor 
worked with those types of people, right? These are the types of people you need to be seeking out, people that can really help elevate your game and get you to that next level. And I think it's also important to realize that you're going to have to invest in at least one, if not multiple ways. And if you wanna work with a mentor, at the very least, you're gonna to have to invest your time, right? There's no half-assing this. You have to put in the time. And everybody's different about this. If you would come and intern at iFast, we call it a 40 hour a week internship. It was way more than that. <laughs> if we're being honest, if we put you through the old school hours that like Nick Rosencutter, the original Nick, the intern, bro, Nick put in 60 hour weeks, easy. And we all know by week 12 or 13, you're tired. It's a grind. Maybe we give you a day off or we let you sleep in a couple mornings. But if you're serious about getting better, you have to be willing to at least invest your time and quite potentially your money. Because I'm at a point now, we don't have an internship. So if you want me to mentor you, I can't do it in that form or in that fashion. And generally, it's in a more private online type environment. So you got to be willing to invest time or money, because ultimately, this is the best investment you're going to make in yourself. Last but not least, and we'll talk about this at the end of the show as well. But once you have begun to elevate your game, the best thing that you can do to continue to get better is to start elevating others. But we'll talk more about that later. So that's number three, seek out mentors, find the right people to help guide and shape you. Number four, and I think this is really important and something that needs to be said in this day and age, because it's getting easier and easier to fall into your own little vacuum right? Like these little devices that we have, I'm bored or the people around me aren't talking. Okay, I'm just going to start looking at my phone. But I think what we need to focus on instead is realizing that we should all be curious about people. And this is just a, a great piece of advice for people that are in industries like ours, right? So if you're a trainer, a nutrition coach, a massage therapist, a, a hairdresser, being curious and being interested in people is one of the best skills that you can cultivate. And I remember when I was training clients in home. So I worked in home from 05 to 08. And man, it, the start was just rough, right? The start was rough. Jess and I were living in Pendleton, which is like 20 minutes north of Indianapolis. My first client was 45 minutes away and I took him at 4.55 in the morning. So I was up at 3.30, shower, eat, all that, out the door by 4.15, at this guy's house by 4.55, and then just the grind was real. 4.55 to a lot of days I wouldn't finish till 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And it was hard because in the back of my mind, I've just moved from Fort Wayne. I've established myself there. Now I moved down here because ultimately I wanted to be in Indianapolis. Ultimately, I wanted to be around athletes and training athletes. And here I am, I'm training all these random people, doctors, lawyers, C-suite executives, people that had built their own businesses. So at first, like the boredom was so real. I'm like, man, I just don't feel like I'm progressing, like I'm not getting where I want to be. But eventually, I start to realize, look, like I'm not ready to go open my own gym yet. I'm not established enough as a coach. And man, it just makes sense. Like, I'm going to do this for a couple of years. I might as well dive in. And as I really start to dive in and I immerse myself with these people, man, these are some of the most fascinating people on the planet, right? You, I had one of the 
most elite like blood doctors in the state, if not the country. I had a guy that had built a multi-million dollar construction business. I had another guy that owned like 20 apartment complexes across the United States. I had another couple that had basically grown an insurance company and then sold it and was worth like nine figures. So as I start to peel these layers back, I'm like, dude, all of these people are super successful and all of them are super interesting and I can learn from all of them, right? I'm like 27 at the time. What am I thinking? Like, I know all these things, right? Or that I can't derive value from all of these people. If you ever get bored or you're ever struggling working with somebody, really start to immerse yourself in them. Try and envision who they are, right? What makes the person standing in front of you unique? Why do they have certain thoughts or beliefs? What jobs do they have? What's interesting about them? And that was one of the things that was really interesting to me was like all of these people had different or unique interests outside of their professional life. So yeah, we could talk about their profession and a lot of them were passionate, enjoyed talking about that. But man, there were so many different interests that these people had. One guy was obsessed with wine. I knew nothing about wine. So he was schooling me on the wine game or woodworking. Uh, another guy loved the Dallas Mavericks because all his apartment complexes were in Dallas. Man, that was so much fun. We talked basketball for basically an hour every time, or we talked politics. So really start to immerse yourself and figure out who these people are, right? At their core, not just like, why are they training and why are they working out? That's important and valuable. But more importantly, who are these people? And I think building relationships is really the cornerstone of effective coaching. There's a lot of people who I'm not sure I've totally like connected with as a coach in the sense that they now they've worked with me and now they love training, right? Some of these people never loved training. It was just something that they felt like they needed to do. And they enjoyed my company. They enjoyed my workout. So they kept me around. But I can tell you that once I started to build these relationships, anything I tried to instill or convey to them via coaching was received far better. And it just reminds me, I don't know if Mike Boyle originally said this, but it's that old quote of, they don't care how much until they know how much you care. So if you can demonstrate that you truly care for the people you're working with, guaranteed the coaching side of it is going to be far easier going forward. So that's number four. Be curious about people. Number five, learn from every client and situation. And... This always reminds me of my guy, Mike Koval. I believe Mike's been on the show at least once or not twice now. He was an intern, 2010, 2011, all the years run together <laughs> at a certain point. But I remember Mike was in the gym one day and I said, hey, I want you to go with Dr. work with Dr. K today. And he's like, why? I said, what do you mean, why? He's like, one, at the time, Dr. K wasn't even paying for coaching. He was just an open gym member. And number two... He's like, I don't want to train gin pop people. I'm going to train basketball players when I grow up. And I'm like, cool. And you will train basketball players. He does train basketball players, which is awesome. He had that foresight and that vision for himself. But I told him, hey, look, man, if you can get really good at coaching this guy, who's just your standard like 70-year-old gin pop client, you're going to absolutely be able to crush it when you go train these basketball players because they've got this level of athleticism and movement skill and coachability. So if you can train this guy, you're going to be an absolute beast when you go coach these people. And this was also, as I started pulling this outline together and thinking more about this, I was like, man, this actually happened to me as well. 
when I was in Fort Wayne, I did a lot of rehab, knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, and other than some back pain from some dumb deadlift sessions that I didn't have a lot of issues. Uh, but I had a lot of clients with knee pain over the years, and I helped people get rehabbed after ACL tears. I helped one lady prep for uh, a total knee. And so I actually helped train her before and after her total knee replacement. And lo and behold, 2005, I tweaked my knee skiing. I'm powerlifting. So now it's like, man, all this stuff that I learned about knees applies to myself. And I continued to dive in because I continued to have some knee issues for some time after that, ultimately had surgery. And man, I just had a lot of people with knee stuff after that. It was weird. It's like they came out of the woodwork. So as I learned more about knee stuff, I had more knee people and ultimately became like a niche expert in that space because I created an entire manual called Bulletproof Knees. And so I helped a lot of people with knee pain. And now I'm in basketball. And trust me, just about every basketball player in the history of ever has knee pain at some point in time. So it doesn't matter what your end goal is initially, right? Whether you want to work with gen pop clients, basketball players, elite bobsledders, it doesn't matter to me, right? It's good that you have a vision for who you want to work with. But when you're starting out as a coach or before you start to really specialize, think really broad in general first. I think the people that are the most malleable and the most adaptable as coaches have this really broad coaching base so that whenever it is time to specialize and focus maybe on one target area, they're that much better. And Sean Maloney and I actually talked about this in our podcast episode where sometimes just your training as a whole is more general, right? So we still have all sorts of clients and athletes that come through iFast, but right now I, sp I specifically focus on basketball, but I also have race car drivers, a hairdresser friend, all these random people that I still train and coach, but the marketing is geared towards basketball because that's ultimately who I want to focus on. So that's a distinguishing factor as well as who is your marketing catered to versus who are you actually training, right? And I think having that broad skill set is very valuable. And I always tell people when you're getting started out, train anybody, train everybody, teenagers, middle-aged gen pop clients, baby boomers, train people that are rehabbing, train people that want to achieve high levels of success in sport. The broader your experience base is, the better you're going to be as a coach because you've just been in more situations, more environments. You've dealt with more constraints. So ultimately, again, when you want to specialize, you're going to be a better coach. And I think, again, it's fun having these little like topics like this because it helps me just think about my coaching career and I just think about 2008 to 2010, when Bill and I opened iFast, man, look, if you had a heartbeat and a wallet, we were going to train you. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just like when you're starting a business, every dollar counts. You're thinking about how am I going to pay rent this month? How am I going to pay the internet bill? How am I hopefully going to pay myself, right? Because that's important too. And when we opened iFast, it was such a hodgepodge mix of people. We had like our 6 and 7 a.m. gen pop clients, and they were there to shed body fat or maybe add a little bit of muscle. In the afternoons, we had figure competitors. We had my one and only MMA athlete, Dan New, that I've ever trained. Alex Sprague, who was a decathlete turned bobsledder. I worked with him. I worked with my one and only hockey player. It was 
a challenge, right? It was an uncomfortable period in the sense that I'm trying to grow and build a business. I'm trying to get that off the ground. I've got all these random, unique people that I'm working with. But man, I just learned so much during that time period. And I think it was so critical for my own growth and evolution. So don't get caught up in just working with one demographic, especially when you're younger or especially when you're just getting started out. Work with every client because you will learn from every client in every situation. Number six, make mistakes on someone else's dime. And this may be unpopular, especially if you are an employer of young people. But I learned this lesson. Again, this is probably like 2006, 2007. I worked with a gentleman named Doug Rose when I was doing in-home training. And Doug was an interesting dude, right? He was a second generation entrepreneur. His dad had started this apartment complex business. And then Doug was taking it over. And Doug was just a fascinating guy, right? No BS, very direct, almost caught me off guard because a lot of the people that I worked with were, I don't know, I don't want to say friendlier because that's not the right way to put it. But just at 7 a.m. in the morning, if you're not used to direct people, it's off-putting, right? So it took me a little while to figure Doug out and really connect with him. But man, we just formed the coolest bond and the coolest relationship. He was such an interesting guy. He was so willing to just school me on the game of business, of life. He was into politics. So we had these amazing discussions. And I remember one day I was warming Doug up. He's walking on the treadmill and he says, look, dude, you're not going to train people out of their home all day, every day for the rest of your life. What do you want to do? I said, Doug, look, man, super impressed with what you've built in your business. Someday I want to open my own gym. I want to have my own business. And he said, that's great. He's like, can I give you a piece of advice? Yeah, absolutely. He said, make your mistakes on somebody else's dime first. And I had to pause for a minute. I'm like, what do you mean? He's what you're doing right now. He's you're still figuring things out. You're still young. I was like 28, 29 at the time. He's make your mistakes here, right? Start to get your training figured out, your sales pitch, your marketing, make the mistakes here. So that when you go out on your own, you're still going to make mistakes, but they're not as, there's not as overwhelming, right? They're not going to just destroy your business if you make one of these mistakes. So he said, make your mistakes on somebody else's dime. And I always took that to heart. That really resonated with me because a lot of trainers, a lot of coaches, immediately they get done with school or they get done with an internship and they're like, I'm going to go start my own business. And maybe this is less of a thing now, but especially 15, 20 years ago, it's, hey man, I'm done with this internship. I'm going to go start my own gig. Or, hey, I got five to 10 clients that are paying me steady. I'm going to go open my own gym. No, don't do that, right? Make your mistakes on somebody else's dime first because that gives you time to grow. It gives you time to evolve. And it makes you aware of some of these blind spots that you may not even be aware of in your own training or in your business acumen, right? Because I've talked about this numerous times. Like being a great coach is one thing. And it takes a long time. If you're really serious about becoming a great coach, it takes time. But the second you decide, I'm going to open my own gym, there's this whole other set of skills you have to cultivate, right? You have to be an operations specialist. How is your gym going to run? You have to be able to market. You have to be able to sell. You have to be able to do all of these other things that aren't necessarily requisite to being a great trainer or being a great coach. So it's not going to preclude you from making more mistakes, right? I get that. I've made so many mistakes since we opened iFast. We don't have enough 
books for me to fill all the pages on because I've made a lot of mistakes, but I made a lot of them when I was early in my career and I didn't repeat those mistakes once I opened the gym. So a final thought here, we talked about mentors early on. And I think if you get serious about owning and operating your own business or going out and doing things on your own, just like we talked about having coaching mentors, people that are going to help you write better programs, understand conditioning, better train your athletes for speed and agility. Just like you need coaching mentors, the second you want to go out on your own, you need to start looking into and investing coaching mentors. And I'm so lucky I had guys like Alan Cosgrove early on, set me on the right path, Pat Rigsby, guys that I've been able to lean on throughout my professional career that have helped me build the kind of businesses that I can be proud of and have helped support you know, myself and my family. So find the right people to surround yourself with, right? Mentors, so important. Find yourself a support group of other entrepreneurs, people that are already in the space and that are being successful because the second you want to go out on your own, just trust me, it's a totally different ballgame. So that's number six. Make your mistakes on somebody else's dime first whenever possible. Seven, make Con Ed a priority. And let's be real here. When you're coming out of college and you have your first rent check due, probably a car payment, student loans are coming on the books, you got to start paying that, food, all this good stuff. It's really hard to say, yeah, I'm going to invest five to 10% of my income in continuing education. And trust me, I was there too. This was like absolutely foreign to me. But in 2003, Jess and I are living in Fort Wayne and we were super exciting. And Fort Wayne is super exciting. <laughs> One of our things on like Friday or Saturday nights, we'd go to a Barnes and Noble or we'd go to a bookstore and have a coffee and read. And this book that I read starts talking about, if you really want to be successful, you've got to invest 10% of your income in yourself and your continuing education. And look, first job out of college, I was not making great money, but this just really resonated with me. It's look, like I'm not in school anymore. Nobody is on me if I don't study or if I don't learn. So I've got to find ways to invest in myself. And so I really took this to heart and I found every resource I could, uh, whether it was like the Swiss MP3s, I'm showing my age here, right? But Swiss sold their MP3s. I bought VHS tapes of Ian King and Charles Poliquin. I attended seminars. I did everything that I could to try and invest that 10%. And keep in mind, I didn't have the money, right? Like I'm literally scratching and clawing to try and make this work, but I knew it just made sense to me. If I'm investing in myself and my continuing education, ultimately that's going to put me in a better space for success going forward. So again, we're talking about investing our time. And in this case, our money, you got to invest both if you want to get to the highest levels in your career, right? And everybody's got a different ceiling. That's totally cool. There are people that have higher ceilings than me. Good for them. But my goal is to be the best trainer or coach I can. So I'm going to continue to invest my time and my money to become the best coach that I can. Now, there's a caveat here because I think a lot of times people are convinced that there's shortcuts or there's hacks and they think, oh, I'll just scroll through IG or TikTok or YouTube. And I'm going to tell you, 
you want to check out IG and YouTube, I got pretty good pages. But even still, you can go to my IG or you can go to my YouTube and I'm going to give you some great information, but it's so limited in scope, right? Like, especially for YouTube, I've tried to learn a lot about it, probably more, spent more time learning about YouTube than I should over the last couple of years, but you got to be really specific, right? Like a really targeted topic, like five deadlift mistakes or 12 kettlebell variations. It's got to be super direct, super to the point. And ultimately, I can't give you a lot of context because if I sit there and ramble on for five or 10 minutes about the value of these different kettlebell swing variations, people are leaving. They're going to go watch something else that's sexier or more exciting. So you just know and understand this is maybe a great place to find people you like or people that you trust and respect, like we talked about early on, but just don't use those as a proxy for real continuing education because it doesn't work like that. Another thing that I would have you ponder, Bill Hartman and I talked about this in his podcast. When we talk about Con Ed, a lot of times people are like, I don't know what to study. I don't know what to learn. And Bill Hartman and I talked about this in his show and he talked about it all starts with a question. So what questions do you have? For me early on, it was like, why is my knee hurting when I squat, right? How do I fix that? Maybe it's, why does Bob have lower back pain? Maybe it's how do I help Mary increase her VO2 max? I don't know. But you find questions that you're excited about, that you're passionate about, and then that can help drive your continuing education going forward. So it's like cardio. Joel and I talk a lot about cardio because it's obviously something he's super passionate about. He created an entire conditioning presentation and uh, certification around conditioning. But one of the things that he and I have talked about endlessly is that you're probably not going to do conditioning that you hate. So if you hate running, yet you're trying to run three to four days a week, it's not going to last very long. So you have to find something that you enjoy. For me, I've tried to find ways that are fun and palatable for me to condition. So I like riding the bike, got a new stationary bike downstairs, pretty pumped about that. I like doing circuits. I like playing basketball and just getting buckets. So you got to find ways to condition yourself that are fun or exciting for you. Same thing with your con ed. Find things that you're passionate about that really get your juices flowing. And that's what you need to start educating yourself on. Another question that might help is what would you study just for fun? Right? If nobody was watching you, if there was no like target or end goal in mind, what stuff in our field are you just excited to learn about? Start there, right? Maybe it's building muscle. Maybe it's getting stronger. Maybe it's improving mobility. I don't know. But whatever is fun and exciting for you, start with those. And then I'm just reminded of like my first six months after I got done with grad school. And so people are like, oh, yeah, you've been in school like six years. I'm like, no, dude, I've been in school like 19 years, right? Kindergarten through 12th grade, four years of college, two years of a master's degree. I'd studied what other people wanted me to learn for 19 years. And I swore until I was like 24 years old that I didn't like reading that I wasn't excited about education until the day I get that graduate degree. And then it's okay. Nobody's asking me to go read this textbook. Nobody's going to make me go watch this lecture. And so those next six months were amazing. And I just devoured Con, Con Ed because I could read all the books that I wanted to. I could dive into all the subjects that I hadn't had time to dive into before. So find things that are fun or exciting for you. I'm so convinced 
that if you're in this industry, there's something you're passionate about. Find that passion, latch onto it, and then use that to drive your continuing education going forward. Number eight, are you in or are you out? And some people may be shocked to hear this, but man, there's numerous times I've thought about getting out, right? Not so much now, but definitely earlier in my career when you are struggling to get by, when you are working split shifts, when you have to say no to social opportunities, like going out with friends to go watch Sunday night football because you have a client at 4.55 or 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, right? There's a lot of reasons to think about quitting. And trust me, I have thought of them all, right? Coaching is hard. The hours are hard. Running a business is hard. This is not an easy industry. And so I think the sooner you can grasp that and come to terms with that, the better. And look, not everybody is as passionate about this industry as I am or as you might be, right? There's a lot of people that get in and then get out. And that's okay because I think this is one of those jobs some people would describe training as, oh, it's a young person's job, right? Oh, you're in your early 20s. Yeah, just I'm just going to go coach some people or it's a fun job right? Oh yeah, I just get to hang out at a gym and I get to help people work out. Yeah, it's a fun job. Or some people are like, oh, it's a great side hustle, right? I got my main job, but I'm just going to do this like two to three hours a week. All those things might be true. But, but if you want to be really successful in this industry, you have to commit. It's like anything else, right? If you want to be in a relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, right? If you want to be in a committed relationship, you have to commit to that person. And it's the same thing in the fitness and coaching space. If you want to be successful, you have to commit to it. There's a reason I didn't quit because so many times, as many times as I thought, man, I don't want to get up. I don't want to coach this client. Damn running this business is hard. It's stressful. It's time consuming, right? Regardless of those thoughts, they never outweighed the feeling that I got from helping people achieve their goals. Just the pros so outweighed the cons, just the scales never tipped in the other direction. So you need to think about this, right? Regardless of whether you've been at this two years, five years, 10 years, man, everybody's living longer. You can be successful in other careers later in life than you ever could before. So you have to ask yourself, am I really in this or am I out? And that's not for me to answer. I can't answer that question for you. But I can tell you, the sooner you jump in, right? It's like jumping in to the deep end versus dabbing your toe, right? Keep dipping your toe in and it doesn't get warmer versus you just jump in, you deal with it. Okay, now it's go time. And I think part of the problem here too is just this idea of FOMO, right? FOMO and the internet. Because everybody is putting their personal highlight reel on IG or Facebook or TikTok. And it's easy to think, oh man, everybody else is more successful. They're making more money. They're working better hours. They're less stressed. They're happier. Not always the case. Not always the case. And I can tell you with a thousand percent certainty, a lot of the people that are flexing on social media are incredibly unhappy behind the scenes. So don't let FOMO rule you, right? If you're serious about becoming a great coach or a great trainer, right, it is worth it. But you got to put in the time. You have to commit a hundred percent. And trust me, when you're really in this and you're really making changes in people's lives, I'm not sure there's a more impactful job on the planet today 
than helping people achieve their goals, get fitter, and just be healthier throughout their lives. Hugely impactful. Last but not least, number nine, find ways to give back. And I've thought a lot about my career. Again, when you start doing some of these presentations, it's a combination of, okay, I've been coaching 23 years. My kids are getting older. I'm 45 now. So it's like just that time in life where there's a lot of reflection going on. And I think one of the things that I've always tried to do is find ways to give back. Even when I was younger, right? I talked about being like the 23 year old that's writing articles for Monster Muscle or 24, 25 writing articles for T Nation. I always wanted to find ways to give back. And it was just an extension. By the time we opened iFast, it was like, yeah, why wouldn't we have interns, All right? And I wasn't just focused on the free labor. That's always nice. But I was always committed to being the mentor that I never had, right? Until I found Bill, I would never say I found a mentor that I really latched onto and that really was serious about my own growth and evolution. Man, shout out to Bill, dude. Love you, brother. You have been so impactful to me and my growth, but I think as a result of him and some of the the lesser mentors or people that, that guided me early on in my career, that contrast really helped me understand this is what Bill did for me and I want to be this to other people. Everybody's in a different place, right? With their time, their money, their career. But regardless of where you're at, there's somebody that's underneath you that you can lift up. So whether you've been doing this for six months, two years, 20 years, find ways to give back. I think it's such a, a critical piece of our puzzle. It's how we grow and build the next generation of great coaches. So find ways to give back that are meaningful or impactful for you and that work within wherever you're at, right? Because again, six years, two years, 20 years, everybody has something that they can give to the people underneath them. So that does it for today, my friend. Nine pieces of advice for young or up and coming coaches. And just as a quick recap, number one, focus on the process, right? We can't always control the outcome, but we can always focus on the process and doing the things necessary to garner the outcomes that we desire. Number two, get the reps and do the work. You can't fudge this, right? You can't speed up time. You can't magically get experience that you don't have. It takes time. It takes reps. Do the work and ultimately you will be rewarded for it. Number three, seek out mentors. Find people you like, trust, and respect. Find people that have been where you want to go or have achieved the things that you want to achieve because they will help get you there faster. Number four, be curious about people. Every person you work with has a unique story, something about their life or their career that makes them interesting. And the more you can really connect with your clients and your athletes, the better they're going to receive your coaching as well. Number five, learn from every client and every situation. When you're just getting started out, don't try and niche down. Don't try and just work with one demographic or one population. Work with as many people as you can because ultimately it's going to make you a more malleable and more adaptable coach. Number six, make mistakes on somebody else's dime. Don't be in a rush to go start your own thing pop off and become an influencer or a gym owner. Hey man, go out there, make some mistakes on somebody else's dime, figure some things out. And then when the time's right, 
go do your own thing. Number seven, make Con Ed a priority. You got to invest, my friend, no shortcuts here. You got to invest time and you got to invest money. If you want to become the best coach or trainer possible, you've got to make Con Ed a priority in your life. Number eight, ask yourself, are you in or are you out? If you're out, that's cool, man. This isn't for everybody. And trust me, I, I want everybody that listens to this show to be wildly happy, wildly successful in whatever domain is of most interest to them. But if you're in, go all in, jump into that dive in or <laughs> jump into that deep end, get uncomfortable and just realize the sooner you really commit to training and coaching as your career, the easier it's going to be to see your success. Last but not least, find ways to give back, regardless of where you're at in your career, help the people underneath you. Doesn't matter two years, six years, 20 years, we're, regardless of where you're at in your career, you can help the people underneath you. So find ways to lift others up so we can develop and build the next generation of great coaches. All right, my friend, that does it for today's podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Even if you've heard some of these messages in different formats, sometimes it's the same message, but it's a little bit different story or you're at a different point in your life and it hits home a little bit more. So if you enjoyed today's show, please do me a small favor. If there is a up and coming trainer or coach in your life, somebody that you would feel like would benefit from the messages that I shared here today, please you know, send them an email. Pass this along to them in social media. Whatever way works best for you, please share this with that up-and-coming trainer or coach that you want to see get to the next level in their career. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.